0: How would you describe yourself as a member of Gen Z?
1: I would describe myself as someone that is very rebellious and does not approve of the categorization. Uh, I also don't want to speak for the generation itself, and maybe that's a characteristic of Gen Z members, Uh, but I'd like to also give another opinion about the situation.
0: Yeah, what do you want to say?
1: Uh, that I that I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I, I don't see the purpose of it, uh, and it's being done by other generations.
2: Hi everyone, and welcome to Hello Gen Z, a podcast about America's youngest generation. I'm Christy Totten.
0: and I'm Abby Hamblin. That was Panchito Martinez, and he has a point. It may seem obvious, but not all members of Gen Z love the name Gen Z or what's being said about them, or even the idea of being lumped in with so many other people in the first place. I'm a millennial, and I certainly don't love all the things that Gen X and baby boomers have had to say about my generation.
2: Yeah, we know what it's like to be characterized by someone else, so on this podcast, we're handing over the mic to Generation Z to explain themselves and explain what makes Gen Z, Gen Z, even if they disagree about it.
0: This episode is about identity and belonging. Young people have always felt the push and pull of wanting to fit in, but also to stand out. And that's true of Gen Z. But their coming-of-age story is a lot different than what we saw with previous generations. So I
3: probably spend like four hours a day on Instagram. (laughs) Just like, I can't help it. It's so addicting. Instagram's the best.
2: Gen Z spends more than seven hours on screens each day. And that doesn't include schoolwork. Pew Research found that 95% of teens have access to a smartphone and 45% say they're almost constantly online. All that screen time has literally changed what it means to be a teenager.
0: A 2017 study in the journal Child Development found that teens today are way less likely to drink or go on dates or get driver's licenses. That study points to increased internet use as a possible reason for this.
2: Olivia Seltzer is a 16-year-old from Santa Barbara, California, who started a daily newsletter by and for Gen Z called The Cram. Here's why she says her generation spends so much time online.
4: If I like went through and counted all of my close friends, I would say like 90% of them live thousands of miles away from me. Like 90% of them I met either through an online program or through just generally social media and connecting as like other youth activists. And they live far, far away from me. And I hope that I'll be able to meet them all someday, but I might not, but that doesn't matter because we're still able to have like very engaging conversations about what's going on around in the world. And I think that that really speaks to Gen Z, we, social media is our medium for for change making for for our social lives like for so many aspects of for even like for informing ourselves so many people now inform themselves and get their information through social media which obviously that has its cons but it also it has a lot of pros as well because i know a lot of people who've been really activated by things that they have brought on social media so i think that the fact that it just It's this window into so much of the world that's not available to us otherwise. I think that that is a really nature factor in why we spend so much time on social media.
0: Gen Z say they often find more fulfilling connections online than they do even in person. If you go to their social media profiles, you can find a curated expression of who they are, whether it's the causes they support or how they identify by race, gender, or otherwise. Mm -hmm.
2: One of the key things that sets Gen Z apart from other generations is how familiar they are with gender neutral pronouns and how often they use pronouns when introducing themselves. You see this in person and also on their social media profiles, whether it's she, her, hers, he, him, his, they, them, theirs, and there are others too.
0: They encouraged us to talk about it on this podcast. Here's Nina Salome.
5: I noticed that a lot of older people are like extremely uncomfortable when people go around and say their pronouns. And that's something Gen Z kind of normalizes, and it should be normalized in my opinion. We can all work together. You just have to like get over the stereotypes you have of young people like, oh, they're just gonna be on their phones. Oh, they're politically correct. We don't want that. Like we will work with you and maybe we'll get offended at some things you say, but all you have to do is
2: like learn from that. One out of three members of Gen Z say they know someone who uses gender-neutral pronouns. One out of four millennials say the same thing. But in older generations, it's far less common. We talked to a 19-year-old who's trans who goes by the
0: name M, like the letter M. They use the pronouns they, them, theirs.
6: Yeah, so first I'm going to start off by just describing what pronouns are and what place they have like in our society. Um, so, pronouns are a way that you refer to a person outside of using their name. Um, and usually it's in the third person, it's or when someone is not there. Um, it's also very indicative of gender. Um, so, for example, Abby, what are your pronouns? She her hers great so you are holding paper right now and if you were to drop the paper we would say oh abby dropped her paper um so we these things come naturally um and then so my pronouns are they them so if i were to drop my phone it'd be like oh m dropped their phone um there are plenty of other pronouns um but specifically ones that has been around forever that people doubt and uh aren't really as educated on as they, them. Um, it's a gender neutral option. It's actually been around since Shakespeare. Um, he utilized that pronoun to refer to other people. We also do it without realizing. So if someone is on the phone and like you see that someone else is on the phone, like, oh, who is that, what do they want? So it comes naturally, but people don't really
0: think about it. They say they feel genderless because their clothing and appearance are fluid.
6: I just do what I do and I
0: kind of just feel like A genderless, amorphous
6: blob floating through the universe. Um, So, like, for me, like, it's non-binary and, like, the, like, ability to not be associated with gender at all.
0: M is very encouraging to people who are new to this idea and says it's okay to get it wrong as long as you're trying
6: realistically no one's ever done learning so reassuring them that like it's okay that this is like not something you're super good with like there's a lot of things that i'm not good with and like trans people mess up each other's pronouns occasionally um so that also helps them but just dispelling myths and rumors and like really assisting them in that is what i've been you know using more with older generations
2: So you see Gen Z sharing pronouns on social media and in person when they introduce themselves. And gender-neutral pronouns in general are catching on elsewhere, too. California now allows people who are applying for ID cards and driver's licenses to mark non-binary instead of male or female.
0: M uses their social media profiles to educate and discuss gender and identity like many members of Gen Z do. This generation puts it all out there on social media, for better or for worse.
2: When the internet is at its best, Gen Z finds community through music and YouTube stars they love, through causes they want to rally around, and even to connect to people who share their racial and ethnic backgrounds.
0: Crystal Sung is an 18-year-old from Escondido, California, who found two Facebook groups that make her feel more connected to other Asian Americans. One is called Subtle Asian Traits, and the other is Subtle Asian Dating.
3: So the first one with the meme group, it's a lot of it is celebrating cultural pride, and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that was an Asian thing until I saw that joke. Um, A lot of it is just um, using humor as a way to deal with things that we faced and um, just in a more lighthearted way celebrate our heritage. Um, And then with subtle Asian dating, um, like the idea of auctioning is a little bit more problematic, but the whole idea arises from the fact that it's, really hard to find people with the same culture as you um, to be your significant other. And that kind of diversity within Asian American groups is often glossed over. So that kind of um, gives everyone in the group an opportunity to really go into that and meet other people of the same heritage.
0: She says there are a lot of Asian American celebrities in the group, too, which is awesome.
3: It kind of really brought all of us together and made us made me prouder than ever before of my heritage, seeing other people um, experience those same things and realizing that universality, yeah.
2: So there's a lot of fun to be had online. You know, that's fairly obvious. Generation Z uses social media to watch makeup tutorials, to prank each other, and make funny videos. But there's a dark side too.
0: Right. We've seen teens get radicalized online and bring extreme points of view they learned in online forums and websites into real life.
2: Nina Salome has seen some of her own classmates make racist jokes online, and she wasn't the only person who told us that.
5: They spend all this time on like 4chan, Reddit, because like they find it edgy. They find it funny. It's really rough because I have like people I think of friends and they're like, look at this racist meme. And I'm like, oh, never mind. And it's like You wouldn't find it funny unless you had that implicit bias because if someone showed you a joke was no like not like that didn't make any sense you wouldn't laugh at it so when people laugh at things that are making racist jokes and obviously they have some sort of like belief in that so and it goes beyond jokes and memes Right here in San
0: Diego County, a 19-year-old Poway gunman attacked a synagogue in 2019, killing one person and injuring two, including a rabbi, after posting an anti-Semitic manifesto online. Emily Johnson, who campaigned to be the mayor of Poway at age 20 in 2018, remembers how it affected her community.
1: It was definitely hard. I think kind of the worst part about it was Nobody really saw it happening in a community like Poway, and that's, everybody says that where they never think it will happen to them. Um, But it was, it was definitely really hard and frustrating because it feels like it's been years and years and years of people saying, you know, we need to fix this, we need to change things, and then it rocks your own community and you're like, why are we still not doing anything?
0: Yeah, when you say people talking for years and years about fixing things, are you talking more about gun control or are you talking about the sort of online hate culture that this particular person was a part of?
1: I would say both. I would say a lot of both. I mean, in Poway, nobody was surprised that there was... I wouldn't say nobody. I think a lot of people who are members of minority groups weren't surprised to hear that there were like racist and anti-Semitic people in Poway. We all were kind of aware. but the fact that he had posted almost a manifesto on the internet and nobody did anything, it, it, it doesn't invoke any feeling other than anger for me.
0: Researchers are watching closely to see what effects social media have on mental health, especially for young people who are on it all the time. The rates of anxiety and depression and suicide are higher in this generation than in previous ones. These are issues faced by every generation, but Gen Z is a lot more open to talking about it.
2: You may be thinking, well, I'm on social media all the time and my mental health is fine. And of course, older generations use social media, too. In fact, they created it. But no other generation was walking around with smartphones and 24-7 access to social media in their formative years. Jean Twenge is a nationally known researcher
0: at San Diego State University who studies generations and wrote a book about Generation Z, which she refers to as the iGen. She says the explosion in popularity of smartphones coincided with a big increase in mental health issues.
1: There were some rather sudden trends that showed up in these data sets, primarily around 2011 or 2012. That, for example, happiness among young people had been rising for a while, and then it started to fall. Um, Symptoms of depression, at least in this this data set, fairly constant since the early 90s or so, then suddenly started to rise. Self-esteem, which had been on the rise, started to fall. So there were all these kind of sudden changes that really pointed toward this is a new generation, And the expectations started to fall. Optimism fell by the wayside. It was the most sudden shift I had ever seen.
0: Compared to previous generations, psychological well-being has decreased when it comes to factors like self-esteem and life satisfaction.
2: As we interviewed members of Generation Z for this podcast, social media was one of the topics they had the strongest opinions about. Actually, a few told us they had either taken a step back or they were considering limiting their social media use for mental health reasons.
0: Yeah, they go back and forth between appreciating it as a tool to communicate information and feeling overwhelmed by it. Gail Itor is a host of a popular podcast called Teenager Therapy, which many members of Gen Z say helps them feel less alone.
7: I think when you are, when you feel like you're part of a community, that's when the internet and being connected helps. If you're involved, like our followers you know, many of them feel like they're part of our community and they are. They're, you know, they're, we consider them our friends because they know so much about us. That's, you know, that's what makes a friend. And they feel like they're part of something, part of a movement, part of a campaign, part of a story. And that's when you really, when the internet really helps you feel connected. And when it helps you feel distant and alone is when you're not part of something and you see like, you go on TikTok and you see these friend groups, having fun and having, you know, um, the time of their life as teenagers and experiencing dreams and, you know, just living their best life. That's what makes you feel alone. And you compare yourself like, well, what do I have? What am I involved in? Who are my friends? So the way the, the line between that is just how you involve, how involved you are in the internet, I guess, what you feel like you're a part of. If you find something you like, community, whatever it might be, if you find your niche, whether that be a band and, you know, an art um, and you involve yourself in that, that's when you'll feel connected.
2: So there's the pressure of sharing who you are and being authentic and connecting with others. But there's also the heaviness of so much information and feeling like you have to do something to get involved. There's so many organizations and causes for Gen Z to get involved with. A quick
0: search of the word youth on Instagram and you'll find all kinds of highly organized, beautifully designed, well-informed organizations by and for Gen Z where they find a common purpose. Some examples are Youth for Border Aid, Dear Asian Youth, Palestinian Youth Movement, Black Youth Project, and Youth Over Guns.
2: So the internet and social media are complicated. Again, at best, it creates a sense of community where young people can find like-minded friends, sometimes with the same super specific interests. But at its worst is a shadowy place where teens become radicalized. But it's such a huge part of Gen Z's experience.
0: In some ways, they really do live on there. And while a lot of them say it can be overwhelming, they still say it's worth it to try and be involved and spend as much time online as they do.
3: Okay so my name is Perosa Aziz and I'm from New Jersey and I've been to uh, human activism since I was around 12 years old.
0: Rosa really puts herself out there by using TikTok to draw attention to issues around the world but she says despite some of the negativity she's experienced online that won't stop her from staying engaged and speaking out.
3: I'm, I'm really happy that we have more information because I don't want to be like the people before us saying like oh we're young let us live life you know I don't want to I don't want to do that. That's that's an- another source of another lost generation, in my opinion. And I think information and power and change starts with the youth.
0: Not only does Gen Z find the internet a comforting place to express their identities, but it helps them feel a sense of belonging as a generation. Here's Olivia talking about how connecting with Gen Z through her newsletter has given her hope for the future when it doesn't always feel hopeful.
4: To be able to truly thrive in an environment like this where there is so much to be hopeless about, you have to find the positives and you have to be continuously optimistic and you have to always be able to find hope in the little things and, and hope in each other as a generation. And I think that that's been a really incredible thing to, to feel like we kind of like stand united against whatever problems we're facing and knowing that we do have like this big support system of young people, all of us do, uh, whenever something happens.
2: Hello Gen Z is a part of the UT Podcast Network. It's a mini-series with new episodes dropping each Thursday. If you like
0: this episode, please share with family, friends, educators, coaches, whoever needs to say hello to Gen Z. And please rate us in your favorite listening app. We'd love to see your reviews.
2: For more on Generation Z, please go to uniontrib.com slash Z. We have all of our episodes there, as well as commentaries from members of Gen Z on subjects like politics and identity. Matthew T. Hall is
0: our project editor, and Beto Alvarez is our creative director. I, Abby Hamblin, and Christy Totten wrote, produced, and edited this episode. Thanks for listening.